Hello and welcome to the Equation of Sales podcast with me, Tim Gibbons. This podcast is a mixture of chat, ideas and training that can help you to improve your sales performance, close more deals and earn more money for you and your company. The Equation of Sales states that trust times needs times value equals successful selling. This is an idea that I developed as a sales consultant, but talking to customers, they actually have exactly the same ideas. They are approached daily by people trying to sell them products and services. They need to trust the person that they're buying from. They have to need the product that's on offer and the commercial deal needs to make sense for them. So for both sides, the equation of sales is crucial to success. This month, we're going to be looking at what does a good opportunity look like? And I'll be chatting with my guest, Charles Tchaikovsky of Fugro, about this and his career in sales. What does a good opportunity look like is part of value. No matter what you're buying, you have to believe that you're going to get value from it. If you have a meal in a restaurant, there are two levels of value you can receive. First, a simple act of eating provides you with sustenance and nourishment to keep going for the next few hours. However, any food can do this. The real value in a meal out is in the experience, which can include the taste of the food, ambience of the restaurant, service, the company, etc. All of this is difficult to put a price on and therefore equally difficult to value. Two different people can easily value the same experience quite differently. As a result, we need to understand our customers' perception of value if we're going to succeed in selling to them. In this last month, I've been to a number of exhibitions and it's sad to say I've been unimpressed by a lot of the exhibitors. It's quite shocking just how many people look disinterested when they're on an exhibition booth. Why bother going to an exhibition if you're not going to make an effort to engage with your customers? Sitting at your stand, reading emails or making phone calls drives customers away. Unless they really want to talk to you, they're just going to walk by and talk to someone else. If you want someone to approach, look like you want to talk to them. Stand there with a smile and an open posture. Make the first move towards them and ask them a sensible question. Never ask, can I help you? A closed question like that is never going to get a good response. What are you looking for today is much better, as is, what's your objective in attending today? You can read more about this on my blog, hulock-consulting.com slash blog. So, getting back to what a good opportunity looks like. If you do everything well, you probably have more opportunities than you can manage. So you need to have a way of determining which are the best ones to work on. Every salesperson that I know has spent time chasing after a sale that has never happened. Salespeople are frequently very competitive and will spend time chasing all opportunities, hoping to win them all. That can result in a lot of wasted time and effort that could have been better spent elsewhere. In the same way that not every customer is a good customer today, 
not every opportunity is worth pursuing. We need to have a set of criteria that define what a good opportunity looks like so that we can judge them all equally. By focusing on the best opportunities, you are more likely to be more successful and make more money. The difference between companies that merely succeed and companies that thrive and flourish is quite often as simple as sales opportunity management. This is the process of tracking each potential sale from an initial lead to a closed sale. Not all leads become sales, but if all of them are tracked, then you can compare them and focus on those that are most important and most likely to close. Getting better at this process means that you close more deals and make more revenue and make more commission. Right, let's introduce my guest. So my guest this month is Charles Tchaikovsky of Fugro. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Charles, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and the company that you work for? Okay. Well, as you know, I'm Charles Tchaikovsky. I'm a business development manager with Fugro, which is a Dutch geotechnical company, which uh, works in the oil and gas and renewables business on basically understanding the seabed and the geology just below it, so that if you are going to be building any infrastructure, whether it's an oil rig, a, a wind turbine, cable, um, or pipeline, or anything else that you're going to put on the seabed, you need to understand the risks are available, the risks uh, around putting a structure uh, onto a seabed. So we do all the geotechnical survey work. So we have vessels, as well as we do a lot of geoconsulting. So my role is business development specifically for geoconsulting services both for oil and gas and renewables in the uk europe and africa and uh in effect you know, my, my career um this is i'm coming to the end of my career now in 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 sales and business development but my career has taken me from the technical world through to business development and sales director roles as well as board member and shareholder roles so I've worked across all global markets within oil and gas and renewables, and I've worked um, for startup fledgling companies all the way through to international corporate companies. So a broad brand band of experience uh, across the board, yeah. Okay, great. So you and I have known each other for a long time. In fact, mm. I think we met when I very first started in sales. Um, yeah. How did you get to start in sales? Because you mentioned there that you... Um, you started in a technical role. How did the switch to sales come about? Yeah, that's interesting, really. Um, because, yeah, I did start in the sort of technical world as a geophysicist, geologist in the upstream oil and gas exploration market for a number of years. So I was totally technical. There's no, I didn't have any commercial acumen at that time. But it wasn't until I joined, as you said, you know, we worked together for a company called Landmark Graphics Corporation uh, in software and services, uh, where I adapted my technical skills through into commercial skills, pretty much starting in a technical pre-sales um, role, selling the technical value proposition of our products and services, which then over time evolved into more short-term sale, sales and then into long-term um, business development opportunities where I adapted a a, a consultative sales approach. Okay, great. 
So I'm sure you've heard lots of things during your career. Can you remember the first thing that you learned in sales? Ah, that's interesting. There's a lot of things you learn when you start off in sales, Tim, as you know. I, I say for me personally, um, I guess it was I learned uh, that you always sell on a promise and that you have to deliver on that promise. And it's all about trust building the client. And it's actually your reputation that will carry you through the rest of your sales career. So you need to build on that reputation. So what I mean really is, you know, can I have sold to the clients whilst working for many different companies, selling many different solutions based on my reputation that I already had with the same clients. So you build that trust and and have their best interests at heart. So basically a win-win solution for both parties. So to me, as I said, strong point is building trust and reputation with your client. Yeah, I, I think that's so true because when you present a product to somebody, they've only got your word that it does what it says. Exactly, so if, Tim. If they don't trust you, they're never going to trust the product, are they? No, and if you break that trust, as I said, you sell on a promise and you have mm-hmm. to deliver on that promise. If you break that trust, they will always remember that. And, uh, you know, clients have long-term memories when yes. it comes to uh, dealing with third-party um, solution providers. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, uh, obviously, that was the first thing you'd sort of think. What's yeah. the most important thing that you've learned overall in sales? Okay. Well, always, in my view, you always prepare in advance to understand your client business plan and in your head already have a what, what I call a zipper approach in mind and how your company and the client's business can tie in at all levels, from CEO down to your contractual and technical gatekeepers. Um, You must listen to your clients, understand your commercial and technical client's pain, understand what keeps your client awake at night, and understand how you personally and the company you work for can give your client that warm, fuzzy feeling in their tummy with your technical and commercial solution. So really, the key points are always listen to your clients, ask the right questions, never ask, never talk at your clients, talk to your clients. Uh, consultation is always the best approach. It's what we call in the trade consultative selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So you've obviously done sales for a long time, and I therefore assume that you've enjoyed it. What's been the best thing about working in sales? Uh, I'd say there's probably two things for me personally. Uh, firstly, knowing that you've delivered a solution that will impact your client's business pos- uh, positively. Your solution has impacted on a positive EBIT for your clients, which is what mm-hmm. they obviously are measured against. And that you put a smile on their face. You know, it is, it's great seeing when you're talking to a client, you've closed the contract, you did, did, did a deal, you've, you've delivered on it. And they come back to say to, to you and say, that's a fantastic job done. You know, kind of, we look forward to doing further business with you. Uh, secondly, on a personal point, obviously the remuneration, <laughs> the commission, which then equals an excellent standard of living, you know, global travel. Uh, you can make serious money if you do your job really well. And uh, and in the business that, as you know, Tim, that, that we're in over the years, you know, the global travel from a business point of view has been fantastic. We've been to places that we probably would never ever go to if we had to pay for it ourselves. And uh, just meeting, you know, new new clients, new people, new cultures. Um, and then on top of that, obviously, all your holidays that you can pay for. <laughs> uh, really, it, it, it's the uh, probably, probably kind of, you know, the rock and roll lifestyle of sales, really. That's, mm. that's what really kind of uh, works for me. 
Yeah, no, I I mean, it's harder times because you're away from your family and things, but you get to see and do things that you never would have done otherwise. Exactly, Tim. And yes, there's always a price to pay because if you're, if you're, if you, if you do your sales or you take sales and business development seriously, it's a, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week, 364 days a year um, that you have to put, you know, effort into, you know, kind of work. Mm -hmm. uh, sales and business development doesn't stop at five o'clock. You know, you're working with global markets. You could be working, you know, with the Americas in the afternoon uh, into the evening with Southeast Asia, Australasia, China, those areas, you know, first thing in the morning. So mm -hmm. you, you do dedicate a lot of your personal time to it. but in at the end you know kind of with the right remun remuneration and commission you know your family can benefit from the fact is you know standard of living global travel as i said yeah. and and all the other nice things that come with it yeah yeah excellent all right so what would be your advice to someone starting out in sales now um key things really is is you need to understand human psychology because you're selling a, you're selling to people you're not selling to machines and obviously, people have so many different drivers, uh, emotional drivers, psychological drivers. So you need to understand a bit of the art of, of, of psychology. Mm -hmm. There's also the art of theater, because the fact is that when you are in front of a client, you need to really act the part. You need to believe in what you're selling, because if you believe in it, your clients will believe in it. So you have to have, you know, kind of build that persona. There's no point going in front of a client, being really nervous, being very sort of, you know, kind of not, not engaged with the clients because the client will pick that up straight away. And again, the building of trust and respect. And to me, you know, you need to research your clients, understand their business drivers, understand your own business and the solutions or products that you are selling and know them intimately. That is key. Because that's going to give you such a big advantage when you are selling, because any question that you're going to be asked by the client, you already have an answer for. And you already understand how that product or solution actually ties in with your with your client's business. Mm -hmm. And as I said, a client will pick up on any weakness you have about your own stuff and you will lose credibility. And of course, you'll lose your client at that first meeting. And that's the worst thing that can possibly happen. Yeah, I do, I do think that the enthusiasm for your product is really important, which quite often is why the people who've invented it are all often the best sellers because they're so enthusiastic about it. They are, they are. But sometimes the people that uh, invent the product aren't necessarily the best people that can sell the value proposition, sell the kind of the, the knowledge base, how, how it ties in into that company's mm -hmm. business. You know, a product is only a product unless it's actually being used by a client yeah. and obviously impacting their business positively. Yeah. So it is a, it's a symbiotic relationship in that respect. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're not necessarily the best sellers, but they're certainly the best people to promote it just because they uh, they they love it so much. Okay. Well, it's their little baby, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So the topic of this podcast is all about good opportunities. And really, experience is what teaches us what a good opportunity looks like. So what are the sort of characteristics of a good opportunity that you would always look for, regardless of what you're selling? Um, I would say scalability, because with any opportunity, you go in there and the client thinks he knows what he wants or has defined a particular brief 
for what they want uh, you to actually deliver to. But as we all know, if you understand your client really well and you've 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 got a good knowledge of their business plan, you've got a good knowledge of their weaknesses and positive and positive aspects. You can then you know add extra sales extra opportunity into that initial opportunity so when you go and see your client you talk about that particular opportunity but you have to ask the questions how much broader can my products and solutions tie into that client's needs and it's happened many times where you go into a client and you're there to talk about a particular product that they're really interested in but then by the time you've had the right discussion with your client you walk out thinking, my God, there's about five different touch points we can go in there with potential new products, new services. So to me, it's scalability. That's what really is. You know, if if, the, if if you're just going in there to sell one piece of software and that's all it is, then that is an opportunity. Of course, you know, you're going to make revenue on. But what you're looking for is the big opportunities, the one that are, are going to give you the biggest EBIT as well mm -hmm. on, on that sale. And, and, and therefore, you've got to look at scalability. On, 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 uh, and again, as I said, you ask those right questions to, to make that scalability happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so much easier to sell to an existing customer. And so the more that you can, uh, you can keep people going, um, and keep them buying from you the easier it is and uh so yeah if it's only a one-off it's never going to be as good as if you've got more That's yeah a and, there's a difference, and there's a difference between a product sell and a solution sell. Mm -hmm. um you know a product sell is only going to impact maybe a an asset team or just a few people a total corporate solution sell can impact the company across the whole mm -hmm. you know the whole office or the whole global infrastructure. That's why, for example, when you're selling, you know, enterprise deals, that you know, kind of those big, those big sort of solutions or software or services, you want to have those available um, at every office around the world for that company, not just for a couple of people in in the office just around the corner, you know, down the road, so mm -hmm. to speak. So, you know, it's very, it's as I said, scalability. You always go in there. With a mind that whatever you go in there, you want to scale up as much as you can. Great. Charles, it's been fantastic as usual chatting to you. Thanks very much. You are very welcome, Tim. And uh, I'm glad to be of service to you. Great. All right. Cheers now. Thank you. What does a good opportunity look like is part of my online training course. How do I find a great sales opportunity? Before taking this course, attendees often have little idea who a good customer is and who is not. Similarly, they will not be able to distinguish between good and bad opportunities. As a result, they will tend to waste time chasing poor customers and poor opportunities. They will feel frustrated at not being able to close opportunities. After taking this course, students will have a structured approach to defining good customers and good opportunities. They will have a good idea of how to research the best customers in order to identify good sales opportunities. They will feel confident about which customers to approach, how to identify opportunities within these customers and how to prioritize these opportunities.
Some of the criteria that you might use to identify a good opportunity include, are they a good company? How big is the order? How easy is it to deliver on expectations? Do we have a specific advantage over our competitors? Is the budget known and understood? Will this order open up more opportunities in the future? Are we the most likely winners? Before we finish, here's a sales tip for you to think about. Sales is often described as an art rather than a science, usually by people who want to maintain an air of mystery about what they do and not be challenged about their methods. A good sales process is critical to sustain successful selling. It needs to be built around a generic process, but adapted to fit your company, your products and your customers. If you don't have a process, you can end up wasting time and money chasing opportunities that will never close or customers that will never want your product. A good process allows you to learn from previous sales, whether successful or not, and to improve the process over time. And finally, Thomas Edison said, The reason a lot of people do not recognise opportunity is because it usually goes around wearing overalls looking like hard work. This is the same as recognising a great sales opportunity. It's not always obvious and you have to work hard to identify what makes a great opportunity and be consistent in applying these criteria. So that's a wrap for this month's podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it and found it useful. My thanks to my guest, Charles Tchaikovsky, for his contribution. I was particularly interested in his emphasis on the psychology of selling and the need to believe in the product that you're selling to ensure that the client believes in it. If you would like to learn more, there are a lot of resources on my website, hulock-consulting.com. There are sales tips, blogs and recorded webinars that you can watch whenever you want. I'm happy to have a free one hour chat with anyone who works in sales to give them ideas that they can immediately apply to their work. As I say, there's no charge for this initial discussion. You can book this via my website, hulock-consulting.com slash booking. Please book the free introductory chat. That's all for this episode of Solving the Equation of Sales. I hope that you have enjoyed it. Please subscribe for future episodes, and if you did find it useful, please tell your friends and colleagues so that they can benefit from it as well. Thanks for listening, and happy selling.